Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, everybody. It's been a really, really good morning so far. I just want to, James and the team, where you, some of you are up here, where's James over here? It's just so good to worship together. I was uh, worshiping, not really thinking about worshiping, but just getting a, a sense of how good it is to worship together in community. And to be honest, hearing God's word should always be done in the context of worship anyway. It's a continuation of, of worship. So, so grateful for that. Thank you. It's good to be in a worshiping community. I'm Mike. Uh, for those of you that uh, I haven't that I haven't met, and uh, I'm on the team here. I oversee discipleship, which is a really fancy way of saying I I help us to follow Jesus and do that myself as best I can. Um, so it's fancy, but really it's simple. And today we're going to do a whole series on discipleship. We're going to start the series on discipleship uh, with the call to follow. So I I'm really 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 excited about that. But can I can I just pause and and start by saying that I feel in the room this morning, there is an invitation. There's a sense of God inviting us to see him again clearly this morning, to hear the call of Jesus to follow. Elaine, God bless you. You didn't even know this, but you set up my talk so well. Um, with, with the, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you later. Um, with the footprints in the sand poetry, the whole imagery of, you can get that first slide up there, M, when you have a shot, uh, chance, as, is all about, <clears throat> is all about footprints in the sand. So the Lord is speaking, and, and so can I, can I just, um, wherever, whatever spiritual background you're from, wherever you come from this week, whatever part of your journey you feel like you're on this morning, can I just ask you just to pause and hear that invitation um, this morning to see God uh, and to hear the call of Jesus come over you. Let me, let me pray and, and uh, ask God to do that in us. Father, we, w- we welcome your invitation. We thank you that you're speaking to us this morning. And we ask that as we kick off uh, this series, that uh, we would feel a deep sense of your invitation, your call to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I also want to say hello to Battersea. They're joining us online uh, this morning on the camera. We can, oh, we can. Let's give them a little whoop or a cheer or hello. Hello, Battersea. I joined you a few weeks ago. I love what's going on there. It's so exciting to be part of a church that meets in different places uh, in the city, and we're all going through the same thing. So this is fantastic. Okay, so like I said, we're starting a new series today on discipleship. It's going to go over the course of, of November, and we're doing three talks, starting with the call to follow, but then uh, we're going to take a small break next week. Viv's going to do something different. Uh, but then after that, we're going to carry on with uh, the cost of following Jesus, and then finally, the commission to followers of Jesus. So it's the call, it's the cost, it's the commission. Do you like that? I really like that. It's clever. No. So we're going to um, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew as a kind of launch pad to explore this call to follow Jesus, the cost, and then the commission. And uh, and here's a few books up front that have really helped me in my own discipleship 
uh, journey. So I want to just throw these out there. If any of them catch your eye, any of them seem to feel like God's on this, he's inviting me to read this, I recommend doing it. So if I were to give you an order as well, I would probably say start with emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, that'd be my, my recommendation. Followed by Eugene Peterson, followed by Dallas Willard. Actually, they're in order. That wasn't planned. But um, I, I'd strongly recommend these books. If you're not a reader, there's audio books. Uh, if you're not a listener, I'll find another way for you to, <laughs> to, to try and engage with this. But we really, discipleship doesn't happen by accident. Following Jesus doesn't happen by accident. What it takes is a, a decision of the will, um, an openness to God's voice, a willingness to say yes. And so we really need to think through, not just feel, uh, our discipleship. And these books really help us to do that. So I'm putting those out there. Um, maybe you can start reading one in, in the month of November and see how you go after that. So today we're going to start with the call to follow. The call to follow Jesus. And, and I want to do something really simple today. I want to answer two questions. The first question is, what is discipleship? And the second question is, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? So we're going to start with that first question, what is discipleship? I want to set a bit of an imaginative context for us as we're about to read the scriptures. Sometimes we read the Bible and we kind of go, I've heard this before, or I know this, uh, or we kind of take it abstractly, removed from an actual event that really happened. So I want to get a map up there just so you can see uh, where exactly this is taking place in the world, the time that Jesus uh, says these words. So this is what we're about to read is a scripture that's taking place um, in Galilee, which is where Jesus does the bulk of his uh, ministry. So it's at the top there. And it takes place by the Sea of Galilee, which is uh, in a place called Capernaum, which is on the north part. Really helpful just to see that, just to realize it actually happened, and this is where it happened. So what I want you to do is imagine... Jesus walking into Galilee, walking on the dusty roads towards the Sea of Galilee. And you can see in the foreground there, there's a dusty road. It's, it's not cobbled, it's not tarred, it's old, it's dusty. And he's walking in, and he's about to launch his ministry. He's about to call fishermen on the side of this sea in Galilee. And Jesus is walking in on this road, about to call them. So I want you to hold this picture in your mind as you listen to what I'm about to read. This is where it's taking place. Matthew chapter 4, starting from verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is God's word for us this morning. And so in answer to the first question, what is discipleship? Christian discipleship means to follow Jesus. It means to follow Jesus. So the word disciple actually comes from a Greek word, which is the original language the New Testament was written in, called methetes. And what it describes is a practical reality that everyone in that context would have understood. 
it was a real concrete situation where uh, this word disciple describes a relationship of a pupil to their teacher. So students in the ancient world would approach a master for the purpose of learning from that master and becoming like that master. Think of it like a modern-day apprenticeship. You're going to apprentice yourself to someone in order to learn the skills and mastery of that person in a particular area, in order to become like that person to the degree of skill they had in whatever it was that you were going to do. So this was a common experience in the ancient world. And this is what the word disciple meant, a relationship of the pupil to the master. Although the ancient understanding of discipleship carries a little bit more weight than this understanding of apprenticeship. For example, in Judaism, what would happen is the apprentice would imitate their rabbi, their master, to the point even of mirroring the exact sum of steps that they took on the Sabbath, the same amount of time in meditation and memorization, treatment of wives and raising of kids, etc. You get the picture. You chose a revered teacher to become like that teacher in all things, in every possible and imaginable way. And as an embodied practice of this process of learning from the master to become like the master, etiquette required that a rabbi's disciple would have to literally walk behind his or her teacher. So you could tell who the people was and who the the rabbi was by what order of uh, sequence you found them coming into a room. The pupil was following in the steps of the rabbi. So that when one pupil was going out for the day to follow their rabbi, you could hear another say to them, May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. That's what they would say. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi, which is another way of saying, may you be so close to your teacher. Would you keep such close company with your teacher that even their dust covers you? Isn't that beautiful? So Christian discipleship is not just following something or someone. It's sticking that close to Jesus, so the dust of our rabbi covers us. And Jesus was described as a rabbi. He was called rabbi by those around him. They understood him to be a teacher in that context. And his teachings were called a yoke. So when you took on the teachings of your rabbi, you took on the yoke of that rabbi. And remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, take my yoke upon you, take my burden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So Christian discipleship is to follow Jesus, is to stay behind Jesus, is to learn from him, is to take his yoke upon us. So in this text, we're given two really powerful insights around what this looks like. The first is that Jesus calls the disciples. Now this totally messed with the system in the ancient world. In the ancient world, disciples would seek out teacher and choose a teacher. Here, Jesus seeks out his students and calls disciples. That's incredibly, incredibly powerful for us to realize that Jesus is is upending and messing with the cultural norm of the time. What humility that God would come and seek out a people. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus comes and seeks us out wherever we may be. He comes to us in our context and he says, follow me. So Jesus calls his disciples. We respond to his call. And secondly, Jesus' call is to follow me. We all follow someone or something, all of us. Whether consciously or unconsciously, we're all giving ourselves to something in a following capacity. And it almost feels quite easy to see it these days. You can see who you follow on Twitter. 
can see who you follow on Instagram, on Snapchat, maybe you're on TikTok. I'm not sure if you've kind of gone to that degree or not. Um, I don't mean that negatively. It's just really fairly new. Um, but we, we follow people. We're constantly listening out for the next influencer, the next YouTuber, the next big person on TikTok, and Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. Who are we following? Who are we being formed by? Who are we, in a sense, standing behind to learn from? What dust is covering us in our culture at this current moment? And here Jesus comes and he says, follow me. In essence, what he's saying is, I'm the only one worthy of being followed in the ultimate sense. If you're going to choose anyone or anything to follow, Jesus says, follow me. And this is also a restoration of dignity and identity. Jesus is calling them specifically. And in doing that, what he's saying is, I believe in you. I believe you can be like me. I believe God will use you. Just these simple fishermen, simple people in that culture who wouldn't have thought to carry any societal, spiritual authority or wisdom. Jesus calls them and says, I believe that God can use you. So we're starting to see what Christian discipleship looks like. If I were to give it a, a kind of definition, this is not the Bible's definition, but I think we can get it from the Bible. Christian discipleship is our continuous yes to the call from God to walk behind, learn from, and become like Jesus in all things. It's not a once-off. I think sometimes we paint the picture that discipleship or following Jesus is like a once-off decision that you make, but it's not. It's a continuous yes to say, I'm following Jesus now, in this world, in my life. Or as Archbishop John Santamu says, when you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. When you squeeze a Christian, do you get Jesus? <laughs> when you squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. When you squeeze a Christian, do you get Jesus? If not, why not? If not, why not? And I'm not saying perfection is required. But if we're bumped, what comes out? If we're squeezed, what comes out? And in some ways, that's a little bit of a litmus test for, in a sense, how we're walking behind following or learning from Jesus. What is coming out of us? Is it Rabbi Jesus? Is it Lord Jesus? Or is it something else? And really, this gets down to the heart of it, which is the challenge of whether we're a fan or we're a follower. Are we a fan of Jesus or are we following Jesus? And the main difference is this. Fans sit on the sidelines and they cheer. They cheer on. As long as it suits them, or as long as it's convenient for them, followers are on the pitch. Followers are in the muck, they're in the mess. They're, they're, they're a team that's on the move and doing something. They're proactive and they're active. A, a fan is passive, is sitting and watching. Jesus has lots of fans, but what he wants is followers. There are lots of fans of Jesus, from Gandhi who said, I, I like your Christ but not your Christians, to many people today who say, I like the ethics of Christianity. I like the morals that it seems to teach. But don't give me any talk about Jesus being Lord or Savior or resurrected from the dead. That's not, you know, that's not necessary. Let's just stick with the ethics. Let's just stick with the values that Christianity brings. That's a fan base. That's a fan base. And we need to be careful of that in the church because what can happen is that ultimately we can start to want the fruits of the kingdom without the king of the kingdom. 
We want the kingdom, but we don't want the king. And ultimately, that's fan-based stuff. What we want is to be a follower of Jesus. We're on the field. And actually, on this team, Team Jesus, there's no subs. There's no one on the bench. Everyone's on the field. Everyone gets to play, which is uh, the vineyard uh, understanding of what it means to be a disciple. Everyone is on the pitch. It's not a bums-on-seats scenario. It's an on-the-pitch-with-Jesus-following situation. Jesus isn't just Savior. He's not just the one who forgives us of our sins so that we can carry on with life as it was before. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus needs to be Savior and Lord. He's not just the one who forgives us. He's the one who is Lord of every aspect of our lives. And if we reduce Jesus to just being the Savior without being the Lord, we've essentially just made a Jesus of our liking. A Jesus who's made in our image, which was the great accusation of that French philosopher Voltaire. He said uh, during the French Revolution that in the beginning, God made man in his image and mankind has been trying to repay the favor ever since. <laughs> and that's a, really, that's a really serious accusation that we would make God in our image when really we are made in the image of God. And to be made in the image of God is to experience this call, this invitation to follow Jesus, to get in the dust with him, to get on the pitch with our mixing, mixing metaphors here. But I think we get the idea. It's to be a follower, not to be a fan. And so Christian discipleship is to follow, but not just to follow, it's to follow Jesus not just accepting his forgiveness for sins, which is crucial, that is part, that's the heart of the gospel, but it's to make him Lord of every aspect of our lives and to say yes in every aspect. So what about the second question that we have? What does it mean to be a disciple? So if, if discipleship is following Jesus, what does that actually look like? Because it's nice to think of the idea, it's nice to have the picture of walking and the dust falling on us. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're asthmatic and that's not particularly nice, but it's nice to have the picture. But what does it mean? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And when I was thinking about this and praying and looking at the passage for today, I felt like the answer was that it's to give our yes to Jesus again and again in what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. We keep walking with Jesus through every situation, every context we find ourselves in, every bit of suffering we experience, with every question that we hold, with every tension in our body or our, our um, environment, relationally, whatever it may be, we choose to give our yes to Jesus again and again and again in the shared long obedience of discipleship. Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I love that because for me it speaks to the actual experience of being a disciple. I've been a follower of Jesus for 15 years. And there have been times where it has been incredibly unclear what following Jesus means for me. There have been times where I've had so many questions, I don't actually know if there's an answer uh, for each of these or these collectively. I don't, I don't know how to break through. I don't know how to make sense of. It's felt much more like a pilgrimage uh, than a sense of I know exactly what I'm doing. 
In this world, we're not tourists, we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims, and we're setting ourselves on that process to follow Jesus as pilgrims. It's a kind of like, discipleship is kind of like being on the road with Jesus. And so how do we, how do, we do this faithfully? How do we live as faithful pilgrims in this long obedience that we're trying to give? The first thing that's been helpful for me is to recognize the different discipleship seasons. Discipleship has different seasons to it. If you see it as one thing, I found that I've got tripped up when I haven't realized I've suddenly gone into a different discipleship season. Mike Breen wrote a book called Building a Discipleship Culture, and he speaks about this as like a rhythm of life. That if you were to describe the faith journey in different seasons or stages, it would be kind of like looking at it in four stages. Not this one. Sorry, you can go back in. Don't worry. Abide, prune, grow, bear fruit, repeat. Abide, prune, grow, bear fruit, repeat. There are seasons in your life and in my life as a disciple where God is going to be calling us to himself. He's going to be calling us to abide, to pull back from too much activity or sometimes even all activity if it's an extended sabbatical of some kind. And he's calling you to himself and he's saying it's time to abide. It's time to cease from all the activity and it's time to come back to your first love. It's time to abide. But not everyone is going to be there. You may try to do that and find that there's a, there's a jarring sense in your spirit of what's going on. And that's because actually God's got you in a different season. And that's the season of being pruned. It's not just joyful and light and easy. God is cutting some things off and cutting some things out. And that can be really, really painful. Or perhaps you're not in a pruning season. You're in a season of incredible growth after having been pruned. God's now bearing fruit in you and through your life. That's a really exciting season. It's, in a sense, a bit easier. Things are coming naturally. God's activity is easily identified, discernible, described in your life. But then there's another season, which is, um, well, it's the bearing of fruit, and then it's repeat. Abide, prune, grow, bear fruit. Repeat. Where are you? If you were to try and find yourself in that life cycle, in your discipleship process, where, where are you? What you're going to find is if you try to bear fruit when God's calling you to abide, you're not going to be able to experience much peace in your discipleship journey. The big mistake that I've made is to try to continue to be in one season when God's saying, I've got you in another season. And the jarring experience in my, in my spirit, it's hard to explain other than to say it like that, is that God's calling me to discern better where I am in the process. And in every season, there's an invitation in every season that we're in, there's an invitation. God's extending it to you. He's extending it to me. And in every season, it's going to feel a little bit harder to say yes. But because we trust him, because of what we've just went through, we can give him our yes. And I feel like I need to say this. I wasn't sure whether to, but I'm going to. At, at some point in our faith journey, we will confront the wall. The wall, And when people have spoken about this in the past, I've, I've kind of dismissed it and said, don't, don't talk about this, it's unhelpful. But we come up against something that we don't know how to get through. We come up against something we don't know how to get around or dig under or go over. And this is what Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, calls 
the wall. You can put up that graphic now, Em, thanks. But this is a kind of cycle that he describes in, in faith, and I think it's incredibly helpful to realize that when you come up against that thing that feels like you cannot break through, this is the opportunity to really start to go in, um, to know Jesus, to be transformed by his love, and to live from the inside out, not just by activities. This is really important. It's an invitation to let go of power and control. This, has been a, this is probably one of the hardest parts of my discipleship journey is going through, I think it took five years. Honestly, it, I remember about five years ago feeling like my prayers, I'm finding praying really difficult. I'm finding reading the Bible very uninspiring. I'm finding myself getting cynical um, by looking around at the world. Is God really moving? What does it mean for God to move? There's so much suffering. Everyone I look at is going through something. Where is God in all of this? What does it mean for God to be able to break through in power right now in this moment? People who promised me things had let me down. Relationships had proved more complex than I ever imagined or thought. The world suddenly looked a whole lot scarier and a little bit darker, if I'm honest, as I looked out on it. And I had to ask the question, God, where are you in this? In the real world. In the world that we actually experience, my faith has to make sense. I need a true-to-life faith, or it's not a real faith. I need a Jesus that can actually raise things from the dead, or I don't really know if he's been raised from the dead. And those are very raw questions. They're really raw emotions. But anyone who's lived life even for five years of following Jesus knows that you come up against some of them. And I think this is part of what it means to go into the wall. And here's where inspiration is not enough. We can be inspired for five years, but you can't be inspired for much longer than that. You need more than inspiration. We need to be moving from being inspired to being persuaded that God is able, that God can move, that God can change. This is part of the learning to be faithful in our processes, learning to recognize the season that we're in and the invitation that is being extended to us in that particular season. So where are you? What season are you in? What's the invitation to you? I need to move on. A long obedience is not easy. It's not, it's not easy. There's a lot of joy. I'm speaking about some of the harder parts maybe, but there's a lot of joy in following Jesus. The presence of God is with us. The Holy Spirit is living in us. We are empowered. We're able but it's not easy to have a long obedience in that direction. There are things that can throw us off course or distract us. And I want to talk about two quickly before I come into land. Two things that can distract or discourage us from this long obedience that we're trying to get to in following Jesus. The first is that there are rival calls. So there's the call to follow that comes from Jesus, but there's the call from lots of other things around us that try to get our affections and our tensions away from Jesus on to other things. We're in a culture that calls our attention to an endless array of choices. There are so many things we could do. There are so many things or people that we could follow. There are so many causes that we could join. I feel like we're in a a time in history where there's more causes than ever that could captivate us, that could demand our resources, our time, our affection, our attention. There's cause after cause after cause. 
And the thing that I keep feeling the Holy Spirit challenging me with is, is my cause bigger than my Christ? Has my cause become bigger than Jesus? That's when we start to get into dangerous territory. St. Augustine calls our hearts an idol factory. can churn things out again and again and again for us to worship, for us to see as bigger than Jesus in our lives. But Jesus comes with this call to follow me, to follow me. And so a great thing to do that I try to do is, is to ask myself, what, what's calling out to me at the moment? might be finances. It might be a sense of um, greener pastures somewhere else and vocation or relation or whatever it is. What's calling out to me right now? And is it worthy of being followed? Is it worthy? So there are these rival calls. And then secondly, the, thing, the other thing that can distract us is rival beliefs. Rival beliefs that are out there that can keep us from following Jesus. Uh, a relation once said to me, I don't want to become a Christian because I'm worried that it'll take my freedom away. I don't want to become a Christian because I'm worried it'll take my freedom away. And this is a big belief in our culture today, that to limit yourself, to follow Jesus, is to lose any kind of freedom in your life. And we're in a culture that elevates freedom as one of the greatest virtues that we can all agree on. If you can just stay free and freely express your most authentic self, that is the greatest virtue that you can embrace in your life. And freedom defined in this way as being able to express yourself in whichever way you want, whenever you want, without anyone coming against that, sets Jesus up as an enemy. Because suddenly Jesus starts to make demands of us. Jesus starts to call us to follow him and to leave other things behind. And so God becomes to be seen as a cosmic thief, come to steal our freedom, limit our freedom. But Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So which is it? Is God for our freedom or is God against our freedom? I think the problem is how we've defined freedom. We've defined freedom as what I want, when I want it. Basically a removal of all restrictions and then I'm free. But the problem is we intuitively know that that's not true. We, we know that there, there need to be restrictions in life in order for life not to be a total mess of chaos. We need speed limits. Uh, we need boundaries on what we can do to one another. We need law. We need, we need limits on freedoms for, for society to function well. And so this understanding of freedom is actually not very helpful, living by desire. What we really need is to understand freedom in a slightly different way. And I think that that's living by design living in accordance with how we were made to live. If God's the creator and he made all things, God knows how things function. He knows how things work. And so living in accordance with how God made things to be is to find freedom because we find life as God intended it. We live according to the designer's design. And so freedom is not what I want, when I want. Freedom is living in accordance with the design of God, how he made things to be. So freedom is to choose God's way to follow Jesus. In the midst of rival calls and beliefs, we hear the call from Jesus to follow me. And that's the challenge that I want to lead, leave us with. Is wherever you find yourself today, whatever space you find yourself in, what does it look like to follow Jesus today?
to respond to his call to follow me. And the call doesn't come into the ideal space. The call comes into the real space. It comes into real life, the mess, the muck of the real life. Jesus comes into that space and says, follow me. And notice where he calls the disciples on the job, fishing. He goes to their place of work and he says, follow me. And then he repurposes their work and says, I'm gonna, you fishermen, I'm going to make you fish for people. God comes into our lives, into our vocations, our places of work, our situations and relationships, into that space. And he says, follow me. And he repurposes the very lives that we live. He doesn't take us from a kind of another life. He comes into our life and says, follow me. So I want to encourage us today to respond to that call again, freshly in this season, where there are so many rival calls and rival beliefs and causes. Let's hear the call again of Jesus to follow me and commit to that long obedience on that road with Jesus. Can I invite the worship team to come up? And I just want to take a moment for us to respond to this together. So can, can we... Can we just close our eyes for, for a second, if you're comfortable with that? <clears throat> what I'd like us to do, just with our eyes closed, nothing particularly special about closing your eyes or spiritual. It's just, it's just a moment to focus. Maybe I think there's different people in this, in this room this morning. Some of you have never heard the call of Jesus to follow. And today you're hearing Jesus say, follow me for the first time. Would, would you respond to that call today? It's quite simple. You just need to say yes. I really believe there are people in this room today who haven't heard that call before. And I believe there are others in the room today who are hearing the call again to follow Jesus. You felt distracted, you felt discouraged, you felt like you've been at war with yourself even in a sense. I believe Jesus' voice is coming to you today saying, follow me. I think there are others today who need to repent of some things even. Jesus starts off that whole episode by saying, repent, the kingdom of God has come close. Repentance just means to change your mind, to go in the other direction. What do you need to lay down today? What's getting in the way of following Jesus? What do you need to repent of? I really believe there are others as well who feel like they've hit a wall in their spiritual journey. You don't know which way's up, which way's down. You know you can't go around, you can't go underneath, you can't go over. You just feel stuck at the wall. I believe Jesus wants to meet you at the wall. So you can just take, take a moment to, to hear the invitation this morning. There aren't many moments to be still and silent in our culture today.
Let's just be still for a moment longer. Holy Spirit, would you come when you start extending invitations today to people's hearts? And would we leave this place with a resolution to follow Jesus? I'm just going to ask the worship team to start playing. Don't, don't move away from a moment of God speaking to you. If you need prayer, we're going to invite you to the front whenever you're ready to come and pray. There'll be people willing to pray with you, for you. If you just want to pray on your own, come leave things at the cross. That's a great thing to do as well. Let's, let's sing, let's pray, let's wait on God for the next few moments and not rush off. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.